It's the hey, Hoops hey, Talk. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> What up? <laughs> Girls, women, ladies, what a week. I'm nice. <laughs> What a week. What a week. What a week. You know, I am surprised every day. Maybe that's the joy of living. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. (laughs) 2020 is just like, hold my beer for everything. (laughs) Everything. Like uh, another earthquake, LA? Two. And it was two. We had one woke us up and then another one um, when we were like already kind of moving about, but not needed. Not needed. Just saying. <laughs> not not needed. needed. And then the hurricane that's coming to the into Florida. I mean, Is I it, think it. Didn't they? No, no. There's a Karen fire in SoCal. <laughs> There is 100% a Karen fire in SoCal. It was funny it's though. Raging. Yeah, but I guess because it happens, it hap- It started on Karen Lane. So that's the only oh serendipitous reason for calling it that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> So 2020. 2020. Yeah. At least 2020 <laughs> has a sense of humor. It's like the right. year of the Karen, you know? <laughs> Good, the bad, and the ugly. It's all good. It's all good. And I will say that um, August, we have some great guests lined up, including the guests that we're having on today, um, Mm -hmm. which is going to jump in shortly. But some really good guests. I'm super excited for August. You know, normally we think like, hey, maybe we should take a season like break. But I'm like, fuck, you know, people are like available. They want to come on the hoop stock. Let's do it. That's all. There's no schedule this year. Yeah, I know. No. You're right. I know. I try to understand like the seating of the NBA and I'm like, wait, are they going like East Coast? What? I don't know what's happening. It doesn't well, even matter. It, There's no like, home court like, advantage, oh, right? Like, cool. Neat. Yeah, I know. I'm just going game by game, folks. Game by game. It's totally uh, like a tourney. You know, you just go and you're like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> just watch the AAU. Yeah. It's yeah. a professional yeah. AAU. You're right. Solid you're right. You're right. Well, like I said, like I mentioned, we have a really amazing guest on today. This is someone who I reached out to because of some other sports happenings that came about, and I wanted to um, kind of dig a little deeper, so we're going to have her on next. But before we do that, we always want to do our house cleaning and our updates. So one, please subscribe, like, and review on Apple Podcasts. We're also on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on Pandora. We're on iHeartRadio. We're all over the place. We are in RSS feed. And then we're also on the Good News Radio app, which you can download and get the premiere of our show that comes out uh, Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. West Coast time. Um, We also have our uh, YouTube channel, which you can subscribe to and comment and like and all that good stuff and see our wonderful backgrounds and a little bit into our homes and our guests. You can see our lovely guests when they come on. Um, Currently, we are on Twitter, Instagram, at the Hoops Talking and TikTok. Who knows what's going to happen with that, but we're still there. <laughs> we're still there until the lights go off. We are still there at the Hoops Talk podcast. Um, other than that, I don't think we have any updates uh, thus far, just, you know, some good guests coming on. So we were, we're going to go ahead and bring on our guests for today and we'll be right back. And 
and we are back. Welcome, Rachel, Ooh, to the hey, Rachel. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so, Rachel Johnston, aka Ra- what is it? Rachel Rotten. Yes, AK is a V is the VP of Rebellious PR and member of Angel City Roller Derby League in Los Angeles. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so uh, much for having me. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so just a little background on how you know this kind of came together is that I the a soccer team uh, started here in Los Angeles called and they're called Angel City. Currently, that's what they're called. And I was on Twitter and I saw another Angel City uh, League popping up saying like, hey, you know, let's collaborate. We've been here for a while. So I was like, what is this? So I I did a little digging and I came upon Angel City Roller Derby and I came upon Rachel's profile on Twitter um, as, you know, someone who founded Angel City and was vocal about talking about it. And I... I was like, gosh, I, I would love to talk to her and learn more about roller derby in Los Angeles um, and where roller derby is now. And, you know, maybe talk about like this whole idea of this new, uh, the soccer league coming and how that works with, you know, having the same name and the grassroots organization and, and those kind of dynamics that are there for, for a women, women's leagues um, in LA. And I admitted on our intake call that really the, the, my familiar, familiarity with roller derby was when I was a kid and I would see it in movies and it was more of a like a a glow a gorgeous lady of wrestling style of roller Mm -hmm. derby um it was definitely like a a circuit track um and most movies that I recall were like roller ball or like some violent fighting (laughs) (laughs) which is a a cult cult classic yes yes. James Caan I will admit it is a cult classic um there was also the Raquel Welch movie um Kansas City Bomber and then more recently um I had seen Whip It with Ellen Page and then I even noticed that um, they were using uh, roller derby as part of the storylines in Alita, Battle Angel, and the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey movie. So that was my like not most deep knowledge of um, that of roller derby. Um, so when I after I spoke with Rachel, I was like whole new world open or reopened, and things that I didn't think I could think of were imagined after our conversation. So Rachel, with that, I know it's a lot, but I would love for you to start with like, um, maybe, you know, tell us about your, you know, your love of roller derby. I, I know you, you were uh, talking about the Austin, the women in Austin that founded this modern roller derby. So, you know, let, just we're probably a, a lot of people may not know about roller derby that are listening. So I would love for you, for you just like, let roll it to you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and your experience with roller derby, first of all, is the most people's experience with roller derby, um, by and large. So, and I think that only now are, are, uh, people starting to recognize flat track roller derby, um, for the, the, the large sport that it, that it has become. Um, so, the genesis of roller derby, uh, the very, very short version is, you know, it was a sport that was invented in the 1930s. It was originally um, 
meant to uh, just be a race of teams to skate the distance of the contiguous United States. Um, mm -hmm. So they did the, the number of laps that uh, equaled that distance. And uh, over time, it evolved into being uh, more contact because people love to be entertained by people sabotaging each other, I imagine. <laughs> um, and so that is where uh, the, the sport became, um, you know, sort of the like more staged, like Rock'em Sock'em style team sport. Um, and that is absolutely the, the, the birth of, of roller derby. People really loved um, <clears throat> this action that it uh that it offered um from the very beginning uh those teams were mixed gender which was pretty unique and very cool um and skaters had like cool nicknames um you know there were skaters like skinny mini and you know they 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 all sort of took on these larger than life personas that i think um the only other place that we've really seen that sort of happen like that is i would say in like wrestling um yeah so eventually roller derby sort of pittered out in the 1970s. There were a few attempts to bring it back in the 80s and 90s um, as these uh, very theatrical um, shows, whether it was, you know, like Roller Jam comes to mind. It was a, mm. a show in the 90s on TV. I that, recall that, that yeah. Yeah, um, but it never really stuck. <clears throat> so there was... Um, you know, the, the, the genesis of modern roller derby is around 2001 in Austin, Texas, a group of girls um, decided that they wanted to bring back the sport in, uh, in a more modern form, in a revival. And, you know, if, if we remember, if we, if we think back to what 2001 was like, you know, the internet was not what it is today. Um, you know, the, the way that we interacted on the internet, the way that micro communities were set up on the internet, like a lot of people spent time on message boards and social right. media hadn't yep. really yep. taken off yet. Like this yeah. is even before, like, I think maybe things like Friendster were in their like mm -hmm. earliest phase, but like right. MySpace didn't exist yet. Like this was, this was very early on, um, right. or MySpace was popping up right around this time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so these women decided, like, we're going to put together teams and we're going to play roller derby. We're going to mm. uh, adopt these cool nicknames. We're going to watch old videos and try to adapt the rules, um, try to figure out, like, how to play it. And then, you know, we'll just start putting on games and with the goal of raising money to purchase a bank track, because that was the one thing that nobody had at the time was that okay. velodrome track. Okay. Um, any track that still existed was sitting in storage somewhere. And um, so these girls were like, well, we're going to have to, you know, raise the money and also figure out where to put this behemoth of a, of a track. Right. Um, and what sort of, what happened out of that was there was a, a very natural split in ideologies. There was mm -hmm. from that original group of girls in Texas, there were the girls that uh, were really dead set on uh, reestablishing bank track as the sport. And then there was the girls that really saw the value in translating the sport to a flat surface because it made it so more, so much more accessible to mm -hmm. people around the country at the mm -hmm. time. <clears throat> so, you know, there was this info sharing that happened like on message boards and on MySpace and over email and other uh, girls in, you know, Los Angeles and New York and Seattle started to pick up on what the girls in Austin were doing. And they were like, Hey, like, give me the dimensions of this track that you laid down on the ground. Tell me what the rules are that you wrote this, uh, mm -hmm. that you wrote for this, you know, let, 
hey, do you guys want to meet in the middle somewhere and play a game? And so like, it was very much born out of this grassroots DIY mm. hobby that, you know, that a bunch of women were like, this seems fun. Let's have a reason to like bring together um, everybody to do this activity and let's make the rules for it. And let's and not just like the rules tactically of how to play it, but the rules of how the sport itself would be governed. Mm. Um, and I think that really set the tone for uh, how modern roller derby has evolved. Um, what ended up happening is a flat track took off like wildfire because it was so much more accessible. You could literally put a track down in a parking lot on a hockey rink, uh, you know, an, out, an outdoor hockey rink. You could put it down in a skating rink. You could put it down in a warehouse. You could, you could do it anywhere in a basketball gym. Anywhere that had a flat skatable surface, you could you could find a way to play the game. Um, mm. And that was so unique and really afforded the opportunity for growth. So the the early days were very DIY, very scrappy. Um, I actually, uh, I was, Los Angeles had a similar uh, situation where there was a, a goal of, of starting a bank track league. And then there was a split off into the the group of girls that were like, we're actually cool with flat track. We we like mm. this. And then there were still the girls that wanted bank track. So we mm. actually have two coexisting um, leagues in LA, and we, uh, you know, we all know each other. We've, mm. you know, the the derby community is pretty close. But so the LA Derby Dolls is the bank track league, and then Angel City became the first flat track league in Southern mm. California. Um, and so I, I actually wasn't a founder, um, in 2006, but mm -hmm. I joined in early 2010 and was sort of part of the, uh, a meteoric growth for, mm. for the league. Um, mm. and, and a lot of that growth happened because of movies like Whip It, um, mm. raising awareness mm -hmm. to, to this cool, very underground <laughs> DIY rock and roll sport that people were right. playing. Um, and it was like, it just kind of hit at the right time mm. where people were just like, wow, like, I wonder if there's somebody doing that where I am. Right. Um, and so it, you know, while it always had the, some of the elements of kitsch that the, mm. uh, the previous iterations of the sport had, like the, like nicknames, like pseudonyms, mm -hmm. um, there was a distinct movement in flat track, especially to legitimize the gameplay but mm -hmm. to keep the fun elements so right. people really like that's the thing that I find so special about roller derby is that like now it's not staged uh, if you're if you're watching flat track um, mm. it's not staged everybody trains incredibly hard they train like professional athletes mm. especially at the highest level of the sport there are mm. of course recreational um, programs as well as there are with any sport there's mm -hmm. you know, all levels available right. Right. Um, but I love the element of fun that has been maintained and, and the names are one way that that is, that that is incredibly apparent. Um, mm -hmm. you know, for some people, they, they wear uh, face paint when they skate, some people wear, you know, flashy accessories. Some people like we, a lot of us have like very cool custom skates. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's, there's different ways that the the personality of roller derby has like really been able to shine mm -hmm. uh, in addition to the growth of the sport athletically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I thought was so interesting as well that we mentioned that you had mentioned to me was the fact that you were able to, that it was organized 
rules across the entire sport. So that to me is in, that is so insane to me to think that you have to make, I I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but when you have so many different (laughs) factions, right. You have so many different personalities. I mean, we've all been in a meeting trying to brainstorm and, you know, and you're all trying to think of, you're all trying to do one common goal. And there's like 10 of you on a project or 20 where you're talking about a worldwide league that Mm -hmm. has, you know, decided to modernize, change a track, um, keep the spirit, um, be inclusive. You have all these ideas and you're creating a charter per se, and then you're (laughs) creating rules and you're putting those out there. And now everybody's like, when I watch this sport, I know that these are rules that are league wide that we Mm -hmm. all say, even Mm -hmm. if I do a pickup game, you know, when I do a pickup game, I know that these are the rules that everybody agreed on that we're organized with. And I find that to be so like, awesome, you know, that that happened. Can you talk a little bit more? Because I know one of the things also that you mentioned was that, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the athletes have to own 50% of the team or the league to be part of this, to be part of the the derby league. The governing body. The governing body. So yeah, if you could tell us a little bit more about that and how that, you know, that's just Mm mind-blowing to me. Yeah. So um, in those early days, uh, when everybody started uh, picking up flat track and sort of figuring out like how to play and everybody did it a little bit differently and um, had varying levels of skating experience, um, there was a, a general understanding of like uh, of a game structure, but there was no um, there was no universal agreement as to how the game would be played and so what happened when uh, teams started playing interleague games was there would be house rules and they like I mean we've all played sports as kids and like whoever makes the rules obviously wins the game because they (laughs) sort sort them and so uh, uh, there were there was a group of women that had the insight to put together uh, a coalition to sit down together with each copy of the rules that they were all playing by and say like, what do these all have in common? And then how can we make this equitable and fair across all games so that when we're preparing to come play you and you're preparing to come play us, you know, we're not throwing a fit over your unfair house rules and vice versa. And like, let's make this like a real fun, fair game. And so that first, that initial iteration of a governing body was called the United Coalition of Leagues. Um, and the, the ULC eventually evolved into what is now the governing body of the sport. And that is the women's flat track derby association, the WFTDA and the WFTDA represents leagues in, I think it's like 25 countries and it's, it's, it's about 500 clubs that the, that the org represents. And that's only a fraction of the number of teams that actually exist. There was a roller derby world census in I think 2016 or 15. And it, um, it showed that there were people playing roller derby in like 72 countries and that there were over 2,500 clubs or teams or rec programs around the world. And Mm -hmm. so, um, so the member clubs of the governing body are, are, 
a fraction of the actual representation, but the governing body, the WFTDA, the rules that were agreed upon by this organization are the rules that are almost completely universal to mm -hmm. all of those clubs. There is one mm -hmm. other rule set that uh, some people use, but there it's, it's quite different. And I would say that the WFTDA's rule set is the universal. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's the rules that you expect to play if you show up to a pickup scrimmage anywhere. Um, and so it was, you know, it was those, uh, those women in the early days that had the vision to create this. They also had the vision to say like, you know, number one, we want everyone to feel like they have a voice in the evolution of these rules, right? Mm -hmm. Like every other sport has a precedent for annual rule updates. You know, it happens, you know, it happens in football, it happens in hockey, whether it's a safety mm -hmm. clarification or because players are smart enough to stretch the rules, which is kind of like one of my favorite things about sports when players get creative enough to create strategies that beat certain rules. Um, but they really wanted to democratize that and make sure that everybody had a seat at the table in the development of the game itself. And so every year there was an annual meeting um, that people would fly to one place and we would have essentially like a, almost like a, a UN conference mm -hmm. style weekend of meetings. It always happened on Memorial Day weekend so that we had three days to, you know, have all of these seminars and work sessions to say like, hey, we've noticed this trend start to happening. That's a safety issue. So we should build a rule into, into the rule set that uh, mitigates the safety issue that manipulating this particular part of the game has created. Mm -hmm. And you know, sort of debating out uh, what is good for the game and um, what's not good for the game. You know, like mm -hmm. an example that I think a lot of people use when we're talking about roller derby rule changes is thinking about like the shot clock in basketball. Sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, there have been lots of, as with any very young sport, like you get some really smart athletes in there and you let them break the rules apart. And like, that's a really fun part of the game too, mm -hmm. is like seeing like what you can push the limits to. Mm -hmm. um, I know some people have like feelings, feelings about like athletes <laughs> that play that style, but I think it's, um, I think it's incredibly important for sports to have those athletes um, yeah. to really test, test the limits. Well, I think we've seen so, that with like X Games coming up, right? With the X Games. Like yeah. I would have never thought that something like skateboarding would become an Olympic sport or snowboarding right. or mm -hmm. more of mm -hmm. these games that are not a traditional um, – from what, you know, what we collectively think is tr a traditional sport um, because it's yeah. not taught in the gyms, you know. Right. It's not like something that is like part of your uh, your PE I mean, I wish I would have loved that to be part of my PE roller derby as PE. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, it's, it's, it's funny that you say that. Cause you know, there are, uh, there, there are some of us that talk about like what the future of the sport looks mm -hmm. like. And, and I think a lot of us agree that at the point that it becomes available, uh, in an academic setting or as an academic extracurricular mm -hmm. is kind of the point when we think that we'll see a tipping point, um, you know, in a similar way that, you know, hockey became more mm -hmm. popular, like, you know, it's, yeah. as soon as it enters schools and kids start playing it, like right. that's when it really can take off. Um, right. there are a lot of juniors programs that facilitate the growth of the sport at a young age, but the juniors mm -hmm. programs are certainly, um, 
they, they, they cropped up sort of after the first wave of women's teams cropped up mm-hmm. and it was sort of because like a lot of the women playing were moms and they wanted their kids right. to play too. Mm-hmm. And then, and it sort of has evolved from there. But mm-hmm. on the ownership side, I think what's really important and very cool about roller derby is that that early set of women also said what we don't want is a situation where we build something so cool that we lose control of it. And because what that looks like for women's sports is much different than what that looks like for men's sports. When you lose control of a women's sport and you leave that in the hands of people who have money, um, sometimes it feels okay. And sometimes it feels like women are a commodity to be consumed as athletes. Mm -hmm. And that is the thing that I think we all really didn't want. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that is what really makes the sport revolutionary is that we baked into the membership guidelines that the the organizations need to be skater owned and operated Mm -hmm. and that the skaters need to have a voice for what they want to do with their bodies and for what they want to see from their sport because right. we're not getting paid to play. And so we should have full control over what that looks like. There should never mm-hmm. be a situation where there is an investor that comes in and says like, you guys need to wear lingerie and you need to mm-hmm. play like this and stage yeah. this, you know, I, like part of the reason why I was attracted to roller derby you know, having played sports my whole life was that, was that actual story was that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd seen roller derby and I was like, oh, this looks kind of corny. But then when somebody was like, yeah, but like Mm -hmm. no dude's ever going to come in and turn this into lingerie football. I was like, oh, I'm in. (laughs) Right. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think that there's just, you know, there's an inherently different attitude towards um, how like women are consumed in the media in general Mm -hmm. um, than how, how men are consumed. and. I'm sure you have yeah. other questions that I can get into. <laughs> yeah. And well, I yeah. Think, Go ahead, Karen. Yeah. We see it a lot of times with like the WNBA, right? Men will diminish the skill set of the women and be like, oh, a high school team, mm-hmm. a boys high school team can beat them. And I think there's some kind of, we're triggering their little masculinity because there's these strong women and they don't want to see that. Like you said, they want to watch powder puff football with women in laundry. They think we're, we can't be athletes, but we need to be part of their entertainment or their gaze. And it's really interesting. And I think that's kind of the, the, the few snippets I've seen of roller derby. There's such a strength and beauty to it because like you said, they can be flashy personalities are out, but they're just kicking ass and there's a beauty to that. And I think um, that's what makes it so unique. And I love learning that it's owned by the athletes. I think Mm -hmm. that's what makes it even more better and continues to be in that, that space. And I think the thing like with that is that we're not doing it for anybody but ourselves. Um, that makes it really special, right? Like we don't have huge crowds to impress. Like we, I mean, we have fans, we have people that come to our games, Mm -hmm. we have an amazing community, but like, we're not doing it for anyone else. And that is so special because the, you know, roller derby really attracts people at a time in their lives when they need that community. Mm -hmm. And like, there is something so important about women uplifting other women. Oh yeah, for sure. necessary in the community that you build in playing sports. It's the thing that I think is the most special about sports that I refuse to let men have control over. <laughs> yeah. And I think that like, you know, to the the 
your point about basketball, like this is something that I get very frustrated with, with other sports is that women are judged and compared to the male version of their sport because women are adapting to and playing a sport that was built for and by men. And the thing about roller derby that is incredibly special is that it was built by us for us. And so we are not playing a men's game. We are playing our game. We don't have to be compared to uh, a, a, a predecessor version of the sport, you know, and that's another reason why the, the evolution of what the sport looks like is very important because we can say like, there was like a, there's a, there was a hard cutoff of when that old version ended and this mm. new one began and this new generation is not that. And we are right. not, you know, we're not a show to be consumed, but if you right. want to watch like a really cool sport, like this right. is a very cool sport. There is mm-hmm. so mm. much strategy. This is like a thinking person's sport. Yeah. And you know, anybody who looks at roller derby and thinks that it's boring, you know, I ask them like what they think somebody who watches football for the first time thinks, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I hear a lot of people say like, well, I don't know what's going on. The rules look too complicated. Like I can't figure it out fast enough. So there's something wrong with your rules. And I'm like, the first time you watched football, did you know what was going on? (laughs) That's still why I can't get into football. (laughs) I'm like, what? (laughs) Like the first time you watched hockey, did you, like, did you know what was going on? Like, like there's there's so, <laughs> there's so much intricacy in rules and I think it's absolutely ridiculous that like you know one of the criticisms that we've heard over and over is that it's not like quickly consumable enough because all that tells me is that like they're like oh well you're not doing gymnastics and doing a flip so I don't understand what you're doing like how like how could you possibly be p- playing a strategic right. and complex game like right right yeah, that was when we spoke, when the thing that like a light bulb like clicked was when you said, you know, there's, we're not called women's roller derby. It was like roller derby, right? Whereas other sports, it's mm-hmm. like women's basketball, women's soccer, women's football, you know, it, it always has to be uh, put in context um, when it is not just men's because men's football just it would be football soccer football. and so mm-hmm. yeah and right. so with roller derby you it's roller derby full stop and you know that is what you're seeing you're going to see female athletes or and yeah. and also um you do have inclusivity you're not like hey you know what so you know talk a little bit about that because yes, what it because it does kind of sound like it's only the women but I know that you've mm-hmm. talked about inclusivity so you, you could share on that as well yeah and I think it's um it's it's it is a very important distinction is you know our our governing body does have a w on it um you know I think just mm-hmm. because of the time that it was created and I think that it's an ongoing conversation as to whether or not that's an appropriate um name moving forward but the one thing that our sport has uh, tried to do uh, the entire time is create some kind of inclusivity for uh, for essentially anyone that isn't a like cis male athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we do have an inclusive gender policy and we do absolutely have um, non-binary and trans skaters that participate in the sport. And the, the, the rule is um, it's, pretty simple actually it's just like if women's roller derby is the version of the sport that you most closely identify with then it is your sport Hmm. um and so you know certainly there are lots of people that have opinions about that there are lots of um you know i know that there 
we could that could be an entire other episode talking <laughs> oh, about, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Talking yeah. about like trans and non-binary people in yeah. sports and um you know i uh, i will not be shy about the fact that i think that everybody belongs in sports and that mm-hmm. there i think it's absolutely ridiculous to suggest that people should have separate teams or that sure. people should be excluded um but you know the it is really important to us uh to have an inclusive community and um sometimes it it's hard to live up to that aspiration because everybody's understanding of um fairness or concept of inclusivity is incredibly different Um, so I I won't say that that you know that it's a a perfect utopian world it's certainly an ongoing conversation but you know I I feel very proud that that at Angel City specifically like we have had um, you know a very like gender expansive Mm -hmm. um, diverse array of identities that have been a part of all iterations of our Mm -hmm. teams and I personally think that that has made us, you know, a much richer community. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I like, I, I want to play with whoever wants to play with me. <laughs> right. Like that. Yeah. Like, right. Anyone who shows up and, and wants to skate and wants to, and wants to play my sport and, and really sees the beauty in it. Um, yeah. I'm down. Let's play. Yeah. That's, right. that's what's really important. You know, I think that's, such a good point. You know, before, because I definitely want to dive into Angel City, because as I alluded at the top of this interview, we there is a soccer league that came in that's also using Angel City as their name. But before we dive into that, I did want to bring up this fascinating um, article that you sent me about how um, essentially women's roller derby, you guys rolled out a COVID plan on how to play that was so, uh, it was so in depth and it was really um, able to be adapted to any sport. And I know Wired Magazine um, featured you in the earlier in July, like July 2nd article. Um, and I would love for you to talk a little bit about that because COVID um, as part of what we're seeing, like currently today, you have MLB that's ready to shut down. You have WNBA, and, and I'm sorry, MLB that wants to totally shut down, WNBA and NBA that are working in this bubble. So, you know, pretty much like mm-hmm. telling people we have control of your life as long as you're playing this game. Um, you have NFL toying with like, what should we do? MLB really fucked up it for us, you know, <laughs> but, you know, can't, can't we can't bubble. So, you know, the only I would say successful league. Um, that was the first league to go off was the National Women's Soccer League. They had their Challenge Cup. So they've been the only league thus far that's been able to uh, pop off and and have their entire like season in their championship. Um, So far, WNBA has been able to um, be, you know, they're good. NBA has a few things that they're working through, but for the most part, they've been testing uh, negative for COVID. So I would love for you to talk about a little bit more about this plan that you guys created um, and then how it rolled out. And, you know, because I, I find that to an, another thing that is really important that's coming out of the uh, roller derby sport. Yeah. So um, the important thing to say for me is always that like we as uh, 
roller derby, like the Royal we, mm -hmm. um, we don't have the same kinds of resources as professional sports, mm -hmm. right? Like, like I said, none of us get paid. The governing body, um, you know, has, has been able to, um, you know, monetize certain things in certain ways to create budget and opportunity to, but all of the money that's ever made from the governing body goes directly back into the sports development. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, one of the things that we found ourselves talking about early on in COVID was that we knew we weren't going to get what we needed from professional sports. Mm -hmm. We knew, like, you know, we, we were keeping an eye out, of course. Um, we wanted to see what professional sports were going to come up with, what kind of, you know, with all of their millions of dollars of resources, we thought for sure somebody would come up with something. And when it became incredibly apparent that that wasn't going to happen, the WFTDA assembled a team of epidemiologists and frontline workers to start mm -hmm. to outline what safe guidelines could actually look like for a full contact sport. And it was additionally important um because the <clears throat> the implications of an amateur sport are very different from a professional sport like we mm -hmm. have an entire community of people to protect that you know they're not getting paid millions of dollars or hundreds right. of thousands of dollars right. to play their sport they're playing like a, a a community you know for the vast majority of the community like a pickup sport mm -hmm. right a, a hobby and so it was really important to give guidelines for the entire community that would protect the entire community. So mm -hmm. we started using this language, um, you know, that, that we were going to put lives before laces, you mm. know, like, of course we want to get back to playing. Right. Like right. we love roller derby. We love sports. We want to, we want to get back out there, but it cannot happen if we are putting all of our members at risk who are then putting their communities at risk, who are then yeah. putting, you know, families at risk, their workplaces at risk. Like these aren't people that like, you know, go to their, go to their sport and then go home to, you know, their houses and then just go train every day. Like everyone's lives are incredibly expansive. So, mm -hmm. um, what happened was a, uh, the development of a seven tiered return to play program that has very clear guidelines as to like when your city's uh, number of cases is this multiplier. Mm -hmm. This is when you can return to this version of the sport. So starting out with like non-contact and starting with, you know, rebuilding, um, you know, rebuilding the, the basics for teams and then, you know, slowly building back into contact as uh, cases diminish or as a vaccine is developed. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a, it's very clear and easy to follow. And then, you know, the, uh, one of the departments in the organization also developed uh, return to play, like training guidelines as well to, mm -hmm. to help with, you know, like, we've all been sitting around for five months. Like we probably are going to need to get back into shape and, you know, like knock the rest off. And so there's a companion guide as well. And, um, but again, like with, with the idea that like, we're not trying to rush it because like MLB is the perfect example of like rushing it. And, you know, I live in Los Angeles, so cases here are still spiking, you yep. know, California, right. I think today announced that they had surpassed half a million cases. Yeah. Um, so there's just no way that we're going to be able to safely return right now. Um, but we have 
a benchmark available to us telling us when it will be potentially safe to return. And so what happened is we put this out to the community, the WFTDA, you know, published it and they, they held like a, a, a keynote, a virtual keynote mid-May. And they said, we've developed these guidelines. Here's the form where you can request access to this document. We will send it to, you know, every club that re requests access to it, no charges. Like we just want the community to be safe. That, that first wave of requests was, I think, 680 uh, clubs requested access to it. 99% mm. of them were roller derby clubs. There was like a few one-off non-roller derby requests. But then on, on July 2nd, when Wired published that story, we saw a huge shift in who was requesting access to the plan. Mm. It went from being you know, not, instead of 99% roller derby, it was 80% other sports. We got an additional like 275 requests for the plan and 80% of them were non-roller derby teams. Mm. They were, they were uh, coaches or parents of youth sports. They were college sports. They yeah. were high school mm -hmm. sports. They were other independent sports. I think I saw like Quidditch was one of them on there. Yes. Like, you know, like <laughs> everything you can possibly think of. Like people were reaching out and because they had seen that like there were epidemiologists saying like this is the most responsible plan that we have seen. Um and that's that, amazing. Yeah. And so to be able to provide something that, you know, professional sports couldn't provide and still right. can't necessarily right. provide. Um, I think just shows the power of um, of an organization that has like truly been, you know, run like from a grassroots effort and from a place Say of it. emotional yeah. accountability. And honestly, Say it. Say it. Say it. I know. Women are just, we, we just, like, I think we just give a shit in a different way. We yes. Yes. And not. Yes. It's a, it's a different way. That's the thing. It's like when, I don't know, like when we give, it's not because we're trying to take from something else, you know, it's just right. like, Hey, here you go. Here it is. It's not about, I think a lot of times people see it as like, well, if, if I share, then that takes from my right. storage or my right. wealth or my knowledge right. or my power. Mm -hmm. And I mean, do you want to actually cure something, create something, uh, make things better? Okay, then that's <laughs> the place you need to come from and not a place of like, if I keep it all in, then I'm the only one that's going to get all the goods. <laughs> right. It's it's not coming from a place of scarcity. It's not a zero-sum right. game, right? Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's the thing. And, and like the, the beauty of this conversation is that this actually, it's like, it's the perfect segue and the perfect... Um, you know, uh, it sets the tone for what is happening in the world, what is yeah. happening like in the civil rights movement that we're living in yes, right now. Yeah. It's that like there is this scarcity mentality of like, if if we share wealth, if we share resources, if we say that, you know, that Black Lives Matter, that that is somehow taking away from something else. And right. that yeah. is, like that is inherently the difference in the people who believe that black lives matter and the yep. people who do not. Yeah. And so, and I think that like that principle has been 
you know, a, a guiding light for us, you know, it, like separated from all of this, it's been that we are stronger if we share resources. Mm -hmm. We are better if we um, have this like shared economy. I mean, like the sharing economy is a multi-billion dollar economy. Oh, yeah. Technology. <laughs> yeah. So why we can't apply this in other ways is like beyond me, but right. it's, it's literally the foundation of how the sport was built. Like mm -hmm. we were built because people shared their rules with each other. We were built because people shared their ideas of how to set up a league together. Right. They were, it was built because we shared ideas and like workshopped the rules. It was all built on a shared effort. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it, <laughs> it's why it's, so insulting to me when people, when like men specifically, especially ones in like the entertainment business or the sports business come to me and they say like, let me fix your sport. Let me make it like what it should be. Like whatever that should in air quotes actually is, all that is, is like a measurable goal to like what they think is valuable because it is what right. has been modeled by men's sports for the last hundred years. Right. 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 But they're missing the fact that I never asked for that. We never asked for that. What, we are right. who? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's, like who that, it's like that. It's that meme where it's like no one, absolutely no yeah. one, and then like this, yes. you know, like let me save you from yourself. It's like <laughs> it's crazy. So true. It's so true yeah. and so crazy. Yeah. And what I heard is like, let me make so much money off your sport for me. That part, mm -hmm. yeah, for me. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you how many pitches I've received over the years, like uh, for for people that are like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna turn like. <laughs> we're going to hold an open tryout and we're going to make eight teams and we're going to like, you know, like they're basically going to turn it into like legends of the hidden temple where it's going to be like the blue barracuda, <laughs> green monkeys. And they're like, you know, and, and all that they're asking is to, to take the hard work that people have put in for the last 20 years and to just like hand it over to the people who can make it right. flashier because they know mm -hmm. better than us. And like, right. I disagree. You don't know better than us. You may have the money, but right. that is what this yeah. entire, like the last 10 years, I would even say very concentrated in the last five years. That is the principle that is being challenged. Right. Is that like, you don't have to hand over the power to the people who have money. Instead, you challenge the people who have the power right. and you but demand a redistribution of the power and you demand a creative redistribution of the money. And the thing that is so remarkable about women is that if we don't have it, we will make it. We will right. get those resources. We will yep. find a way. I believe bet. We will find a Figure way to survive. Out. Bet. Yep. I mean, this podcast was, yep. you can bet it was done because we were like, we don't see it, so we're gonna make it. Yeah. yeah. Tired of making content that we think is trash but yeah. has money behind it. And, and and also to your point, you you will you would believe, because it's happened to you, how many times we were told how to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you it's know? just like like at what point are people gonna accept the fact that you don't have to recreate something that already exists for it to be successful. Right. Like mm -hmm. we see it time and time again. There's always these like unicorn stories of people being like, I did it differently and I didn't listen to anything. <laughs> right. And yet it worked. People, people don't <laughs> let that happen organically. There are still people that are like, that'll never work. And it's right. like, I mean, I, I don't know why you guys decided to start the podcast, but honestly, like I'm, 
I'm elated that you did because what I am always looking for is like more women talking about sports Mm -hmm. and talking about the value of sport and the value of community because I'm sick of hearing men talk about sports because what the community that I have experienced in sport, like when I hear men talk about it, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. There are glimmers of it. Like, you know, believe you me, I can watch a sports documentary and get all of the feels from it. Like I love content. Like it feels like that emotional thing that like, you know, that like being on a team brings, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm with it. But still our experiences in it are different. Exactly. Like that should be respected. Mm -hmm. pulled into someone else's vision of what is what it should look like extreme mm-hmm. extreme extreme i mean it boils down to like to your point what are the goals that you are trying to you know get to right what is the goals is the, is your vision reaching those goals and if that doesn't have to be like i always say we'll take the money but we didn't, you know, but the million dollars, you know, is but we not didn't something. start doing it for the money. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, I mean, it didn't, we didn't get no money. <laughs> We're losing money here. <laughs> and like the thing that's so funny to me is that like, think about how celebrated uh, men are when they say things like, you know, I do it for the love of the game. Like they're just like, people right. are like, oh my God, what a great person. But if women <laughs> say that, they're like, you're an idiot. Right. right. And I'm like, like what is this? Like, so true. You know, I, right. like we, we truly are the, you know, we are a perfect example of doing it for the love of the game, for the yeah. love of the sport and for the love of the community, because we literally don't get anything out of it other than that like other than the feeling yeah you know yeah. other than that thing that you get when you play sports that's so special when you connect yeah. with people and like it, it's it's incomparable to any other feeling in the world mm-hmm. and you yep. know i just like i don't want to like tarnish that i i want to be mindful about how we build that and who right. we support and like who we make our community available to, which is right. why inclusivity mm-hmm. is so important. It's like everybody should be able to find community through sport. Like moving our bodies is like the most special act of personal care that you can do. Right. It's, yep. it's just like, I mean, there's Definitely. plenty of science to support that. Like the endorphins <laughs> oh, yeah. are good and mm-hmm. like the way, right. that, uh, yeah. the way that your body responds is good. Like, yeah. We know that stuff. And so you just have to make it available to people and stop trying to gatekeep who can play and who cannot and who deserves to profit off of it and who deserves to play. It's like everybody deserves it. Just like everybody deserves to live safely in their communities. Everybody Mm -hmm. deserves to go buy candy at a store and not have to worry about getting shot. Just like everybody deserves to be able to sleep in their own bed and not be shot by the police. Like everybody deserves like (laughs) go on a run and not be chased down by three you know, racist assholes. Yeah, like, right. Absolutely. Everyone absolutely. just deserves the the right to exist and to like be happy and find yeah. the thing that gives them joy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. This, you know, it has a lot of social activism in it just by its existence, mm-hmm. you know, and by the fact that it was created by women. Um, and I kind I I want to dive into something. Um, and I wasn't trying to be like controversial with trying to bring up Angel City, the uh 
soccer league that has come into Los Angeles. But I think it's a good conversation to have because we're all, when we heard that, that a woman owned invested soccer league yep. was going to expand here in Los Angeles. Um, and it was called angel city and it, it felt grassroots cause there was an organization called, um, bring NSWL to Los Angeles. Um, and we were like, whoa, 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 this is amazing. Cause we all think it's amazing. Right. We all like celebrate that. Um, and on the flip side, when, you know, when I was looking at angel city trending, as I mentioned earlier, um, I started to see Angel City Derby coming up and that community just kind of lighting on fire saying, yo, 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 pause, pump the brakes. We are Angel City. We've been here. You know, hi, can we like talk? Can we collaborate? And when you and I talked uh, about that, it was more like you were like, dude, I'm down for them. I'm so excited as well. I love sports. I love women's sports. I love those owned by women. Um, and you're like, but like, hi, we are here. Can you come talk to me? You even put your email out on Twitter, which is how I connected with you because I was like, fuck, I'll email you. You can come talk to us about that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and talk to us about, you know, all the world of Derby Angel City. So maybe I'm trying to figure out, like, I, I, I think there's going to be a there's going to be some camps that goes that are going to say, you know what, get over it. Like, you're a roller derby. Like, ugh. You know, it's not a, it's not even really a real sport. There's going to be those people. I, you know, we don't agree with that, but there are, there's that side of things. Sure. There's other side that are going to be like, okay, um, well, what can we do? I mean, is there any, like what happened where, and I, and I would think because Angel City, because we talked about this in the last episode and Kendall brought up a good point. The fact that it is women investors, it is women owned, it is a women's league that, we have to know that the way that they're coming at the sport is going to be different than the, mm -hmm. than the men, right? Than what we've just discussed about like mm -hmm. their goal orientation being like, it's broke, we're gonna fix it, let's right. get all the monies and use your bodies to do that. You gotta think that, the, especially the women that are associated with this, um, they're coming at it from the perspective that we all champion, that we all accept, that we're all. So I would love for you to, um, you know, talk a little bit about that, maybe, um, you know, how you felt that day and how the community is feeling and if they've reached out to you or what's, what's the, what's happening now, what it, what has happened since that announcement and, um, moving forward with Angel City Derby. Yeah. So like, like you said, um, I, I want to acknowledge first and foremost, how remarkable it is to see a women led, women invested team come to Los Angeles. Um, I think that it is an incredibly huge step. And so I don't, I certainly don't wish to diminish the hard work that that has taken. I want to celebrate it. Um, a hundred percent. And also I love soccer. So like I, I <laughs> want to go to all those games and I want to like cheer for them. Like I, I love that we're going to have a women's soccer team in LA. Like my, um, uh, the headquarters for uh, my business, uh, my our CEO is in Portland, and so half of our office is up there. Every time I go up there, we go to a Thorns game. Like, I'm a big soccer fan, big NWSL fan. Um, and so it's not lost on me how remarkable the announcement is. Um, but it is. it was a very bittersweet day, um, you know, because 
we've been around for 15 years and um, we have worked really hard and been met with a lot of roadblocks to develop recognition, both like sport recognition and name recognition um, in Los Angeles, especially having, you know, no support. Everything we built, we built on the backs of the community members. And so, um, yeah, it's just like, like what a mixed bag of feelings, right? Like to feel really happy for this other group of women, but also like to have the, to, to know that there is going to be laid in front of us a struggle for name recognition like we've never seen before like we've always struggled with that um but now it's like you know the the money that we used to put behind google adwords right so that mm-hmm. when people look for oh, yeah. you know local women's sports or people who look up the words angel city like we used to put money behind all those but now those adwords are we're going to be completely priced out of them Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the, the searchability, the SEO, like we don't have like a a huge marketing team. We literally have a team of volunteers that built our website that, you know, build our events, built out our ticketing, built out literally every single thing about our organization was built by volunteers. Mm -hmm. Um, and sure, we would have loved to have had investors and it's not that we haven't even looked for them. We have, it's just Mm -hmm. that nobody believed in us enough to, to want to contribute to that, but through anything else other than like buying a ticket or buying a Mm t-shirt. And so we've scraped together these resources over 15 years to not with the goal of ever like being profitable or creating an empire or anything like that, but literally just with the goal of being able to provide a place for people to come play a sport that they can't play anywhere else mm-hmm. um, for a place for people to have a community. And then, you know, and with the added benefit of like, we have some really talented people in our league. And so, you know, we also in the meantime built a very robust world-class training program and we have become, you know, one of the top teams in the world because of it. So out of the 500 WFTDA leagues, we are number eight in the world. Mm. Um, and we have been in the top 10, you know, four five, six, seven, eight. We've been right. in the top 10 for the last eight years consecutively. We have qualified for the world championships the last seven consecutive years. Mm. Um, you know, we've, we've built something really special um, from, from nothing. So, and, and I, I have no, um, you know, I, I, I have no misunderstandings about the fact that we don't own the phrase angel city. There are of course other, um, companies in Los Angeles that utilize that nickname the same way Mm -hmm. with in Chicago, people call it, you know, windy city or New York, Mm -hmm. they call it the big apple, right? Like they, cities have nicknames. We totally get that. Um, but those, those other businesses that, that don the city nickname, they don't necessarily have um, the same, they don't come with the same issues of uh, brand confusion or mm-hmm. like searchability confusion. Um, mm-hmm. When, you know, we're bidding on the same sports keywords, we're bidding on the same women's sports keywords, <laughs> we're building, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's just a different layer of confusion, you know, mm-hmm. and and like a lot of people were quick to point out that like Angel City Brewery is a very popular brewery here. And to which I was like, well, yes. And they also used to be a longtime sponsor of our league. So like mm. we we have experience working with 
you know, like, like named organizations. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that we have an opportunity to work with the Angel City Football Club um, in some way. I don't know what that looks like yet, mm -hmm. but to um, build a support network for women's sports, because I think that like Los Angeles, we all just remember where we are, is a city mm -hmm. that has multiple professional men's teams in every other professional sport. Yeah. There are two mm -hmm. soccer teams. There are two football teams. There are two basketball yep. teams. Yep. And there are two baseball teams. Yep. Yep. We literally yep. have duplicates of all of the men's sports and we have none of the professional women's sports. Mm -hmm. And so I would really love to see an effort in earnest for us to create a women's network of, of sports and support. And because the people who are going to be fans of the NWSL are absolutely going to have overlap and they're with roller derby. Like mm -hmm. our fans are going to go to their games and vice versa. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's a huge opportunity for us to, mm -hmm. to, to co-market, to like do some really cool collaborations together, to like uplift different kinds of, you know, women supporting women. Um, I just think that there's a huge opportunity. So right. I see, you know, I, again, it was a very bittersweet day. I felt so incredibly excited for them. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. but then also I was like, well, we don't have like 50 celebrities backing <laughs> right. us financially. And so, you know, we, I understand why folks in the community were, um, a little bit miffed by it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that a lot of the, you know, the, the people in our community were, were pointing out is that, you know, utilizing the same name just affects our visibility. It drowns us out of conversations in a lot of ways. Um, and it feels like dismissing or overlooking a long established women's sport by the same name just perpetuates the same systems that women's sports are trying to dismantle. Mm, yeah. And, you know, their entire campaign like that they launched was about community and women uplifting women. And so I think the ask is just like, okay, if you believe this, like we need to talk, like right. we, need to, we need to work together. Like, please don't be the thing. Like my heart would break if a women's sport was the reason why we like disappeared. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> crushing. It, yeah. Like that, that would just be like the most heartbreaking thing. Whereas like right. if it was a men's sport, I would just be like pissed off and burn it all down. <laughs> but like, um, but yeah, like for it to be a women's sport, it's a totally different thing. So, yeah. um, you know, we have not had formal conversations with anybody at Angel City or uh, Angel City Football Club, mm -hmm. um, nor have we had formal conversations with anybody at the NWSL, but the, um, you know, the, I think she's the president of the Players Association for the NWSL. She was on a panel about COVID-19 um, with the executive director of the WFTDA this week. Okay. Um, so I know okay. that the, I know that it is on her radar. Mm. Um, and I, I have had some conversations behind the scenes of people who want to um, put us in touch with the right people when it's the right time, but also knowing that the club is very much getting off the ground right now. Mm. Um, that like, there's not a whole lot that anybody is doing. Mm. So I do have some confidence that, those conversations will happen. I don't mm. necessarily like know what will come of them, but I'm, I am choosing positivity and I am I choosing, I'm choosing to believe that, um, they will, you know, believe in community the way that they say that they do. Yeah. So, yep. yeah. Um, 
for sure. You know, yeah. my, my little athlete heart like wants to believe that, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that like, you know, and that everything will, will work out the way that it needs to. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That's definitely a blind spot, you know, there. And, um, that's kind of where I was like, Oh, I need to, I'd love to know more about this because I don't want my joy to hurt someone else for lack of a better term or phrase. You know, I want us to all share in this joy, which I think we can, but at the same time, having that blind spot of something that was already, that could be diminished or could be, you know, disappear to your point. Um, which is already in a delicate ecosystem mm-hmm. as you know, I, I can see how star power and money can eradicate things well, that I mean, they don't mean to. Yeah. Know, so. And with like COVID, you know, affecting everybody, um, we don't have the income sources that normally keep our overhead paid. And so right now we're fighting to save our facility. Like we, we are a registered nonprofit, so luckily, like, any donations we receive are tax deductible. So if anybody mm-hmm. on the show wants to donate, please go to our <laughs> website. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we, you know, we are, we are, our bank account is draining quickly. You know, you mm-hmm. don't, you don't, nobody knows how to prepare for something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and our, our financial structure, um, because nobody's trying to profit off of it, like I said, has always been to just make sure that we can create the place for people to come to right. like essentially have a community center for it. And so right mm-hmm. now the biggest thing in jeopardy for us is our facility, our training facility that mm-hmm. is in Gardena. Um, you know, we, we could lose it at any point. Luckily, mm-hmm. there are laws protecting us from eviction, and um, you know we are like you know paying partial rent to to keep to keep things together. But like yeah. we're gonna have to pay that back, and at some right, point, right. what the partial rent that we are paying, that money will run out as well. And we're mm-hmm. doing our best to you know implement some different um, fundraising opportunities. But as, again, as another like incredible testament to who our community is, like our community really expressed the desire to put a pause on our fundraising needs during the month of June, especially um, because they didn't want to detract any sort of attention from the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm. Um, And so, you know, to, I think that that just tells you like everything you need to know, (laughs) like the kind of special people that are a part of, but that are part of our club that are part of our community. Like they were like, you know, fundraising right now is not the right thing to do. Um, And so now we're like, you know, having open community conversations in Mm -hmm. our, in our weekly town hall meetings where we're like, you know, when do we feel like this would be appropriate again um, to like run a campaign in earnest to try to pay the rent for a little until we can come back. Well, this is really important information too, because I think that, you know, as a, independent or a small business, you know, we're seeing this nationwide uh, with what's happening with COVID. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you're just trying to make the ends meet, um, you know, to the end of the month. I mean, it's already August 1st uh, today. So, you know, Mm -hmm. rent's due and all of that other stuff. And so, um, you know, while we're seeing the resurgence of return of a lot of these major professional sports, um, you could say that about like, you know, Hey, a lot of these larger corporations are going to fare well through this pandemic. And so when you think about these smaller grassroots, and 
I know we've had this discussion and it's probably another podcast, but even when we think about like the funnel, right? Where yeah. the where are these young athletes, this the youth programs in places where um, they need that money, they need that investment so that we can continue to have these athletes grow from different sports. And that's not just like derby or, you know, something that may not be a, a you know, widely a franchise, but we're talking about like little league yeah. and, you know, everything. all those, everything, all those youth sports that are creating a funnel for the future of what we are enjoying today. And that's a really good um, discussion to be had. And I'm so glad that you shared that with us because I think we lose sight of, you know, what, what is also being lost in these days because you just can't make the, the money. You just can't pay the bills. And it's not just like, oh, well, I can't go on that vacation or, oh, I can't, you know, it's like, no, no, no. It's an erosion mm-hmm. of at a very local level of how yeah. we're going to keep investing in youth programs that will help facilitate these bigger franchises. Yeah, and that was definitely a consideration when the WFTDA was developing the, the the return to play plan with the team of epidemiologists is like, you know, I was talking with the executive director about how we wanted to like talk about this plan to the media. And, you know, the thing that we agreed upon, you know, was that women's sports and amateur sports and youth sports are the sports that will suffer the most professional men's sports will not suffer the same way coming out of COVID. Like they're spending so much money to try to get their shit back on TV and to try Mm -hmm. to, you know, get their sports started back up quickly and obviously falling flat on their faces in many cases. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it is so upsetting to me to watch them hemorrhage the money that it costs to really force themselves back into play when they yep. could just be investing in communities instead. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing about sports that like is yep. the most upsetting to me is like yep. the ecosystem of how money is made is like is incredibly unethical when you look at like how college sports are monetized oh, and yeah. how oh yeah. Like, I mean, nope. don't even, like, I can't even, we could do a whole other episode. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. We've but had I, a lot of guests on here that have talked about NCAA in particular. Yeah, it's right. it's it's heartbreaking that, like, that money is not reinvested into sporting communities and into the pipeline of growth of of people because it's not just about the growth of athletes. It's also about cultivating lifelong fans. Like the people Mm -hmm. who support sports for the rest of their lives are almost always athletes themselves. Like, yeah, of course, like there's going to be people that have like local city pride and, you know, they, they're, you know, fans of their football team since birth and blah, blah, blah. But like, I mean, the, the, the ecosystem, the pipeline is really, truly like contingent upon people who played sports, who played the sport that they end up following for the rest of their lives yeah. you know, as a kid. And then it also, you know, you know, one in every, you know, 10,000 of those kids becomes the next superstar of the sport. And so mm-hmm. it all ends up giving back eventually. It just breaks my heart that we haven't, I don't mean we women, I mean, the men in charge. <laughs> it breaks my heart that we slash they have not come up with a better way to invest that money into communities. That everybody has been mm-hmm. so much more interested in getting rich and in advertising dollars than they are in developing out 
programs that have clear benefits on people for the rest of their lives. Um, And then you make back that money in fans. You make back that money in spades because those people, you know, when you have those feeder teams, when you have those feeder programs, Mm -hmm. when you create that lifelong identity of a baseball player, a football player, a basketball player, like those people go to their Dodgers game, their Lakers game, you know, they, they, they want to support because they have a respect for what they see happening out there because they know how hard it is to do that. Yeah. They know how hard it is to perform at an elite level because as an amateur athlete, like when you don't get there, you have respect for knowing that like, it's really hard to get there. You really put aside so much of your life to get there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so just like the way that money is, is treated in sports is like maddening, truly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I mean, and I would say like these bubbles are just proof of that, right? Like, oh yeah. We've been saying since day one before basketball even came back that this is stupid and they shouldn't be coming back. Like there is so much going on in the world right now that they could be putting their resources into. And it just went to prove like they've got this half-assed Black Lives Matter thing going on in the bubble. Like they've got these the names on the back of the jerseys, but they're only a select thing, few things and sayings that the players could pick from. You know, they couldn't really go out and express what they truly wanted to go out and express. So it's like you could have taken all that money of, of housing these guys in these hotels for however long the bubble is going to happen. The food, the DJs and the barbers and all the this staff, stuff you've gotten yep. this. Apparently they like, they put a bunch of fish into a lake so the guys can go out there and fish. <laughs> right. Like, like that money, cannot. you could be putting all of that money into social justice programs and your communities and all that kind of stuff. But instead we've got this half-assed week bubble that's going yeah. on that I'm sorry. I'm, I watched the first few games and I was just kind of like bored with it, to be honest with you. <laughs> like there's just, right. there's just other things going on right now that, like focus on next season. It's just right. it was in the past. It, there's just so much that you could put your money into. You're right. They yeah, and, we, and, and, and we had a guest uh, a couple episodes ago, Josiah Johnson, who said, you know, also it's like the the ownership of the social justice goes on the backs of the players at the end of the day, right? Because mm-hmm. they're the ones that are having to make all of these. Uh, actions and are having the to talk of it exactly yeah. and so you're saying to them like oh you know we're gonna you either get paid and come in here and do this performative or you don't get paid and you sit out and it's like okay so the yep. thing that you're supposed to be supporting to help the people that we are watching are exactly you know what you're not doing and mm-hmm. if you're not seeing yep. that then th- that's what's wrong that right. is yep. the that is the bigger picture, and that's know. coming from one of the the like the league that does the most when it comes to yes, social justice. I know, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the tough part of the conversation, right? Is that like the NBA, in my opinion, has done more good for sports than any other sport governing body organization has. Um, right. I, like, I have the deepest amount of respect for the investment that they've made in the WNBA and the, the commitment they've made to continue to fund it, even when it's not profitable. Like. Right deepest amount of respect for the NBA in that regard. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't still question some of the 
decision-making processes that then cause like this hemorrhaging of money and resources Mm -hmm. that could be directed other otherwise like they could make just as much of a statement about black lives mattering by deploying that money into communities by deploying that money into programs that support black life from birth that support black athletes from Mm -hmm. their youngest ages so you know i i do appreciate that they have been way more vocal than other sports. I definitely do. And I absolutely appreciate Uh that they have not had to backpedal the way that the NFL has had to backpedal. (laughs) Um, Don't even get me started on the NFL. (laughs) Everyone knows I go bananas. I can't. I can't. But yeah. Yeah. And it's frustrating because like I like I like football is fucking awesome to watch. I love watching football. I also think that some of the athletes are incredible activists and incredible Mm -hmm. visionaries. Um but they're you know owned by an organization that doesn't value their voices. So yeah. Yeah. Very problematic. It's it's so tough to even talk about like the 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 kid who's got the best behavior even still you know not quite getting it right with Mm -hmm. like the behavior that they're modeling. Yeah. And so, and so that is where, you know, I feel very proud of roller derby modeling good behavior by putting out guidelines that value the community, that value people's lives, that value the fact that like, you know, if we don't, if, if the whole community gets sick, if we are unsafe, then like the whole sport dies. And what we want is something to come back to. And, you know, the, I think the, the very, um, the very hopeful part of it that like, I haven't mentioned yet is that, um, almost like a gift from the heavens, the, the, the (laughs) hobby that everybody has taken up during quarantine is roller skating. Like yeah, roller really. skating is having a huge, huge resurgence yeah, right now. And it's getting a ton of interest from people who have never picked up skates before or yeah. people that always skated that, you know, were from marginalized communities that didn't have places that could skate because the history of roller rinks is very interesting. Oh, yes. Yeah. Watch United <laughs> Skates on HBO if you haven't. Um, but I am so excited about all of the people who are adopting roller skating right now in quarantine because to me, there is a very real opportunity coming out of COVID once there is a vaccine developed, once you know we're able to get uh, infection levels under control, there is a humongous opportunity for recruitment and for a boon in the growth of the sport because people will have a baseline set of skills that they otherwise did not have because you know, roller rinks were not supporting that ecosystem. That's Mm -hmm. not where we were recruiting skaters from. Like most of our recruitment came from recruiting people who played other sports or people who had never played a sport. Mm -hmm. And the common denominator was that like most of them don't know how to skate. And so we would teach people (laughs) how to skate from nothing. And so I'm excited to come back because I truly believe that if we use this time like judiciously and Mm -hmm. if we're able to keep our facility intact, and that's the goal, right, is to keep the facility long enough to get the people into it, that what we will have is like an intake of of recruitment and an intake of new potential team skaters Mm -hmm. that are stronger than ever because they had you know, a year of skating in the street to build up the, just the basic skating skill. Right. Um, right. And so that's Uh like, that to me is like the, that's the light at the end of the tunnel. That's what I'm working for with trying to, you know, work with everybody in our league, Mm -hmm. in our club to make sure that everybody survives and that we can keep 
our facility um, for this time so that, you know, when the day comes that we can send out the email that says like recruitment is open, Mm -hmm. that we have a place for those people to come. And that's like, that is like, that is the hope that keeps me like chipping away at this work every single day. Right. Well, you know, I think this is a good time to just say thank you so much. Like I am so this, I I mean, I love everybody we talk to. I'm just going to say that now, (laughs) but like, seriously, like the rekindling of something that I remember being a joyous thing in my life when we came to Derby and we used to skate at the vet's hall and I remember my, yeah, we. We skated at a vet's hall in Watsonville. I'm from uh, Watsonville, California. And my aunts and the whole family, it's the only thing we could afford is like a buck. Yeah. Like right. 50, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we would go and do that. that. And it had a skate a, world. A, yeah. Right. You go skate or, or skate, skating pizza parties. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, yeah. I grew up going to, to roller rink birthday parties. That's how oh, I, yep. that's yeah. like, that would even jam. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it was something, I think it's something that's precious to, you know, people from like a memory standpoint and then like knowing about how it has been modernized and who has modernized it and what, you know, just everything about the evolution. And like I said earlier, like roller derby is the world I want to live in. Like if we could roll out this to the world, (laughs) I think it'd be a better place to live in. Um, And so I just, I want to thank you so much for coming on here. And I I really hope that, you know, we, we built this podcast so that, you know, we could get this type of message out and, you know, have it as a place to have these conversations. Um, so, you know, tell us, Rachel, where, what should people visit? Where should they go? Where can they find you? You know, give us all of the information where we can be in, in contact with you. Yeah. So, um, you can find the club at angelcityderby.com. Um, you could, that's also our handle on all social media. So Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, all of them are at Angel City Derby. Um, on our website, we have, uh, we just actually launched a brand new website, um, coincidentally, the same week as the NWSL thing. That was not intentional at all. We, <laughs> we actually decided, you know, that we were going to take the quarantine time to do a bunch of housekeeping in the background and the website was one of them. So, um, but yeah, we do have a, a brand new website up. Um, there is a donate button there if you want to support a women's sport, uh, a sport that, you know, is inclusive, that is not just women, but is for everybody and um, your donation will be tax deductible. So I have to shameless plug there. Um, you know, and then if you, if you feel like following me personally, for whatever reason, um, my handle on everything is uh, Rachel death, which I've had since I was like 13. So, <laughs> but you like can also search screen name. Yeah. It, it actually was my yeah. screen name and I never changed it. Um, but yeah. And I also, you know, Rachel, if you just Google Rachel Rodden, I'll, I'll pop up and I'm not the porn star. <laughs> <laughs> That's a choose your own adventure with Ooh. that name. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, she no longer performs, but every once in a while I get a, I get a message that's like, are you the porn star? I'm like, we literally look nothing alike. <laughs> look nothing alike. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, again, thank you so, so much. Um, this Thank you for having me. It was oh, 
Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Yeah, like, anytime because I'm anytime. sure there's well, so many other things we could talk about. Right. You can tell us about your updates. I mean, I mean, just in general, we would love to have yep. you on again and again and um, share out your community and share out roller derby. And guys, please, you yeah. know, visit. We'll have all the links in our show notes. So, you know, hey, thank you so much. We totally appreciate it. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. What an amazing guest. Ooh. Rachel Rotten. Awesome. Angel City uh, Derby. God, I can't wait for it to come back so that we can um, go, go to watch. all the games. Yeah. Go to all the games. Yeah, we'll have all the yep. links in the in our show notes, but go to the website, check out their social pages, and yeah, get behind this because this is going to be – this is awesome. And I have seen a lot of more skaters out oh yeah there. and skate. oh yeah tiktok and and uh instagram there's been a lot of the the skate dancing videos yeah. i'm just mm-hmm. like Fleetwood. Fleetwood. bring it back <laughs> yeah. Fleetwood. they've been all doing like the stevie nicks true yeah, yeah. <laughs> no i and i remember there was a documentary about the skaters in venice you know because it was a huge oh, yeah. black community it was a black community mm-hmm. of skaters so you know i mean it's been there it's out there so um, other than that, I think, you know, we've gone through a lot of stuff. I think we might be ready to um, take a quick break and then come back with the hoops off. And we are back with the hoops off. Woo! You guys ready? You ready? Karen, uh, you ready? So Karen's yeah. going to go first. Just for everybody who might not know what hoops off is, this is our one minute to rage about something um, that has entered our minds and is making us real pissed off. So Karen, are you ready? I have a minute mm-hmm. on the stopwatch. And three, two, one, go. My hoops off today is on Jonathan Isaac, the magic. As mm. folks know, he made a decision, which I re- can respect if he has valid reason to stand and not wear a BLM shirt during the national anthem. However, his reason when Taylor Rooks asked him why he had done that was so jumbled. And then he leaned on religion. And I, someone who was raised super Catholic and is kind of like anti-religion now, just can't understand. Let's go back to just everything. What would Jesus do? Do you think Jesus would say, you know, I don't agree with this messaging, so I'm not going to kneel in solidarity with my brothers and I'm not going to wear a shirt? And if that's the case, Isaac, then what are you going to do? What is your message? What is that alternative message that you want to say? And he wants to say there's other things plaguing us. You know, that's the same argument with all lives matter. No one's saying that the other things don't matter in life that are plaguing us, but black lives let matter right now so everything can matter. Woo! okay okay get it it. yeah i mean like isn't like praying and kneeling like isn't that a good thing i don't know i don't know i thought it was Uh, yeah i thought it was okay yeah and let's cherry pick yeah you can cherry pick when things are good but that's only if it's good for you yeah and i mean when i saw his interview okay i get the mask but i still didn't get his reasoning it was very just so I'm almost like, he almost seems like the guy who just forgot his shirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, was like, oh shit, well, I better like make it look like this was deliberate. <laughs> yeah, he's the guy like, that gets to hide during a group project that didn't do any of the work. And you're like, okay, then you know what? You can do the monitor. 
<laughs> you can advance the slideshow, I guess. I guess, whatever, dude. Just don't okay. worry about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm going to go next. Who's going to time right, me? I got gotcha. you. Okay, gotcha. so right. my, okay, tell me when to go. You ready? One, two, three, go. Okay, so I want to call out the fucking ads that come on during CNN and MSNBC during the day. When I'm trying to get information, every single fucking advertisement is about bladder control, wearing diapers, some sort of bed that's going to help me stand without actually using my abs, uh, colon cleansing, and insurance sold by Tom Selleck. I'm like, I get it. Like midday TV might be by people that are older and are sitting at home, but we're now all safer at home. We're all staying at home and I want information. And I would really like not to be even more depressed by knowing that I'm dying and that my body can no longer hold urine and that I'm not going to be able to eat all the salty, delicious foods that I want. And then I'm somehow going to have to like take Metamucil and I'm going to have to like get a phone that's real giant so I could read the dial. So Please fix your ads. We're younger. Information. Don't make me feel worse. Oh, that's yes. all I'm wow. saying, guys. I like, agree. You mean you're not going to sign up for Colonial Pen? I'm not going to sign up for that. <laughs> okay. Did they still have the general? Or is that late night TV? That's late. That's late <laughs> night. I think. Cheap, cheap car insurance. Call the general. No, I'm telling you, the big one is bladder control, and not Damn. just for the ladies, but for the men. Okay. Wow. Apparently, you lose all control of your bladder as you age out, and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know what to Man. do. Like Things that, go forward my, to. My bones are gonna apparently turn into powder. Like uh, I, oh. I'm gonna need to get a jitterbug. Because I'm not gonna be able to see. And don't forget your life alone. Because you know the buttons that are this big. If you can't scream loud enough in your apartment for Stephen to help you out, literally, there's two buttons: one for the police and one for an ambulance. Zit on the jitterbug. The the bathtubs that you just walk into with the little door. Oh yeah, the standing bathtub. Actually, are dope. Always want to. I kind of want one too. I'm like, oh, I don't want like a hot tub. I slept in the bathtub one too many times. Literally, the the latest one is this pulley. Like it's like a thing with two sides where you can use to help pull someone up. So like you grab a hold of one side, they grab a hold of the other, and you and it helps you pull you up from your any or like from any sitting position. And I'm like, oh, yeah, but you gotta live with roommates. (laughs) Yeah. That's not for you. That's for the people living with you. My cat's not going to be able to use that to lift me oh, up. I'm telling oh. you. It's just like, I, I'm the already golden depressed. The golden girls aren't buying your shit. <laughs> I'm already depressed by the news cycle. Now you're going to tell um, me about how my body is just go- literally going to fucking just be all nah one day. <laughs> Don't need it. So. Eat your vitamins. God, just, you know, Thelma and Louise it by 50 you know hand in hand over that cliff <laughs> let's do it go with glory let's do it i'm down <laughs> all right Kendall, you have the oh last one of the hips off no pressure are you ready no three right. two one go all right so i would like to talk about how donald j trump has decided he wants to ban tiktok 
And his reasoning is China, 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 China. Well, I just want everybody to know that that's not the actual fucking reason. The actual reason he wants to ban TikTok is because all those preteens and all those Gen Zers are owning his ass on the app. And they're spreading all of the facts on him that he doesn't want people to know. So when you hear your little conservatives being like, oh, my God, they're banning our Twitter accounts for our racist hate speech. But then they're okay with banning an entire platform because facts are actually being spread. Shut their fucking faces down. He can say China all day long, but really it's because he's just a giant man child who can't handle preteen kids from middle school who are owning his ass after their middle school dances. Bye. <laughs> bye. Yes. Felicia, bye. Oh my God. No lies detected. All facts, no printer. Oh, that's right. Because let me tell you, he can't handle it. No. He cannot handle that. it. They Plus killed his rally. They're buy they're fake buying all his merch. <laughs> right. They're spreading actual freaking facts on the internet that actual he doesn't want them to hear. Yeah, yeah. So he could he's gonna claim China all day long, which first of all yeah. he can't fucking do. Like nope. whatever. I, just, I don't yeah, like and also like the whole okay. TikTok might be listening to us. Yes, that is a problem. I but what not say is it? Different. That's yeah. what I was saying. Instagram like, does it all the time and then serves you the ad that when you were mean? talking about a new mascara, you're like, oh shit. You know what? Right. Fucking Siri. What about Siri's listening oh. to me all day long? Alexa. And you would think she'd Alexa. be a lot smaller. I mean, she'd be a lot smarter. Like, right. obviously, any intel that we have is not going to make anything better. Like, I don't no. know what you want from preteens. What are you learning from them? New dance? I don't get it, but whatever. Okay. Right. And you're, no, it's it's all because he's just fucking China, China, China. Yeah, China. but he's no, becoming it, it China by trying to control what we can, what Thank social right. networks yeah. we can access. And, right. Yeah. And you're right about the whole thing where he's he's not banning, wanting to ban Twitter because all his fucking jerk magas are on there doing right. their fake news even madonna right. fuck madonna too fuck madonna right. well i mean like God. they twitter got rid of david dukes right they right. just completely right. suspended him and all the conservatives are up in arms our first amendment rights where they're taking they're suspending us blah 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 blah, blah. you guys want to get rid of an entire platform right. how is that not the exact same thing <laughs> it's not worse <sighs> You don't want to just suspend some accounts. You're no. like, nah, you know what? Shut the entire thing down. Everyone, whole, nobody gets to be on TikTok. Facts. I'm sorry. TikTok has gotten me through a lot of hours. Thank you. Quarantine. Thank you. I will be sitting on TikTok and I'll look up and it'll be three o'clock in the morning and I'm like. That's right. What Learning how to clean strawberries, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, the only thing I would like to say is I would appreciate if it wasn't full blast whenever I open the app. <laughs> because I'm going to wake my husband up one day with that right. nonsense because we don't right. need that. So thank you. That's, well, that would be my improvement. Preteens, teens, Gen Zers, keep causing noise and keep spreading facts because it's working. That's and honestly, right. if he thinks getting rid of TikTok is going to shut it down, it's just going to fire people up to go and vote his ass out even more. Oh, so. yeah. Go keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Trouble. Keep making that good trouble. Yeah. That's what we got to yeah. remember. Good trouble. Exactly. And with that, we are done with today's show. Thank you, Rachel Johnson, 
for being on the show today. We will have all the links, Angel City Roller Derby. We totally appreciate it. Ah, big show, big show. August is going to be fire. So make sure you're listening to it. We have have some great guests lined up. I'm super excited. Um, But make sure that you are subscribing, that you review us. And we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify. Uh, you can follow us and DM us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Talking. We do have a TikTok, Hoops Talk. We'll see if that stays. Um, we're also on YouTube, so make sure you get on YouTube. Um, the Good News Radio app, they're still having their GoFundMe, so check them out. All of our links are in our bio, so we're always good to go. But other than that, I mean, I'm Liz, that's Karen, this is Kendall. We love you. We're the Hoops Talk. Karen. How do we want to keep it? We want to keep it sweaty and healthy. We out.